Yeah, it feels very, um, somehow very moving, very, uh, I don't know, touching that is kind of the, approaching the, the, the end of this journey together. Not, not there yet. Um, and I wanted to, um, to offer, to share some reflections this evening about our practice, about the practices that we've been doing um, and how they're relevant for our lives. So it may seem, you know, we can look at our journey together and it may seem as if we've been, we've kind of explored many different practices, yeah. Many different practices, so many, maybe too many. (laughs) Sometimes people say that to us, too many, too much. But... Another way of looking at it is to see that actually they've all been one practice. They've all been doing the one thing, yeah, the same thing. And they've all been about um, seeing dukkha and its fabrication, its conditioning, its construction. Yeah. Seeing dukkha and its fabrication, its construction. And through that seeing, revealing, yeah, that which is not dukkha, the release of dukkha. So seeing dukkha and its fabrication, and then different ways uh, to step away from that process, yeah, to take a step out of that process, and to find ways of resisting that momentum, yeah, that urge to keep fabricating in the same way, to keep constructing more of that which we deeply do not wish for, not for ourselves and not for others. So the the Buddha's teachings, you know, they're very complex and they're so simple (laughs) at the same time. It's one of the beauties. And sometimes, you know, we can really just make them into a very simple question. When we look at what's unfolding in our experience, when we look at what's happening in our heart and mind, is this leading to dukkha or away from it? As we've been saying, where is this leading? Where is this leading? For myself, for others, is it leading to dukkha? or to well-being. So, yeah, that image yeah, of stepping off the train to Dukaville that Nathan's offered to us, you know, that sense of how we get off that train and then we have other possibilities. There's so many other possibilities that are opening out and just in that stepping off, there's already a well-being that is available to us. So there's, yeah, there's been a real depth of exploration here and such appreciation to 
to all of you, yeah, each one in your own way, with your own conditions, your own circumstances, yeah, what you were here with, yeah, what was arising, such a depth of exploration, of commitment, of dedication yeah, to the practice, to the cultivation of understanding. And there may be a sense, yeah, the, the, the um, conditions of retreat are so particular, right? Uh, sometimes we say retreat is, of course, a fabrication. <laughs> it's a conditioned thing. And there can be a sense of, ah, you know, so it's conditioned in this way. The exploration uh, is available in these conditions. Yeah. And these conditions are so helpful. And yet, um, what happens next? Yeah. What happens when the conditions change? What happens when the environment changes? And... This is the real, the one thing <laughs> to remember from tonight's talk is yes, you know, these are great conditions for this exploration and this cultivation. But what we've been exploring here, yeah, and this path that we have been uncovering and creating for ourselves and for others, uh, they're not limited to this environment, yeah. They're teachings for life, yeah, all of our life. They're not just for you know, this cloistered, safe, silent, slow, <laughs> simple environment. Yeah. And not just for here. And kind of the more we deepen our understanding of the practices that we've been engaging with, the more we understand how do they work? Yeah. What's been of value? Um, the more we can investigate how are these transferable yeah, to other situations, to other sets of conditions. This is one of the really important questions um, on our path, in our practice. How are these things transferable? Yeah, how can they move with us from one set of conditions to another set of conditions? And so this is a real invitation. You have to take time to digest, to reflect, um, to kind of feel how is this embodied in me and how can I embody it uh, more fully. Remembering yeah, insights, yeah, ways of seeing that free, yeah, understandings, moments of openness, of newness, of freshness, of open-heartedness, of relief, of release, of wakefulness. All of these insights, they're to be lived. Yeah? They don't, I have to use this image, they don't stay <laughs> on the cushion. Yeah? Whether the cushion is, or the seat, are uh, here at Gaia House or at home. Yeah? They don't stay on our meditation seat. They move with us, something to be lived and deepened. And they're not just something, I've said this a few times, not just something to see once, to understand once. Yeah? I don't have this image of you know, the way cows chew and swallow and chew and swallow <laughs> and have all these kind of incredibly intricate digestive systems. It's really inspiring. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we do yeah, in our practice and with our insights. We just keep chewing and digesting and regurgitating and exploring. Yeah 
more than seven times, which is what the cows apparently do. It's an ongoing process. And hopefully next time you hear a cow or see a cow, you'll feel this inspiration for your meditation practice. Yeah. So I want to touch on some um, ways of seeing opportunities and practices um, for keeping our insights alive. And um, kind of ways that we can transfer and we can uh, keep deepening our exploration of this uh, getting off the train to Ducaville. So one thing which is pretty much one of the first things we started with uh, on the opening day, which seems years ago, <laughs> um, what is intention, yeah? Clarity of intention, yeah? Where am I heading? Where is it that I wish to go, yeah? What's my uh, kind of guiding star, <laughs> yeah, if you like? Yeah. What's my lighthouse? What's, where's my intention? Clarity, where am I heading? Both clarity and aliveness. It's yeah, something we keep, uh, has to keep alive as well, yeah. to, to be in touch with. And the, and in the beautiful words of Mary Oliver, yeah, great inspiration for this retreat, and hopefully you like her because she's going to pop her head in, her voice in quite a few times this evening. Um, so in her words, you know, what is it that we wish to do? What is it that you wish to do with your one wild and precious life? Yeah. What is it in this moment and over time? Yeah. Having a sense of clarity of intention and the kind of support and strength and well-being that that can bring to us. And someone that I consider, I think we both consider a very significant teacher for us, even though he never gave Dharma talks. <laughs> I kind of had a really strong image of him yesterday when Nathan was speaking. Uh, his name was Baba Amte. Um, and we met him when he was in his 90s. And for the last uh, 20 years of his life, well, for the last 40 years of his life, he had a, a very um, kind of ongoing spine issue. And for the last 20 years of his life, he couldn't bend his spine, so he couldn't sit. He could either lie down or stand. Um, and as he got older, he could only lie down. <laughs> he didn't really have the, a lot. He could stand for very short periods of time. In the image that came to me yesterday, uh, he founded, he was an incredible social activist, and he founded uh, a leprosy community in central India. And that's where we met him. And the memory that came yesterday was um, of him lying in his bed in his room, in his room, his very small room, very big window. <laughs> where he could look out and him saying uh, to us, I'm ready to die any moment 
and I know that I will die happy. Because when I look out the window, <laughs> I know that I've done what I wanted to do with this life, yeah, which is to create happiness for people who um, didn't have the greatest conditions yeah, for happiness. And uh, the name of the leprosy community is Anandawan, uh, which means forest of joy. Yeah. And it's the leprosy patients, the first six ones that came with him <laughs> in the 50s to create it, that picked the name. So it's very, yeah, very inspiring. And maybe just one last image that also came to me today when I was thinking about him. So when he could know, his favorite thing to do was every morning and every evening, he would take a walk when he could still walk. He could take a walk around the community to, to see his people, yeah, 5,000 people. And um, when he could no longer walk, his people built him a bed on wheels yeah, so that he could be pushed around in the morning and the evening to see them. And one of the most beautiful parts they had uh, started with people with leprosy and then... Um, after some years, they were doing really well because they'd created this thriving community. So they wanted to look after other people. So they set up a school for visually impaired children. And then they set up a school for hearing impaired children. <laughs> um, it's a very rural environment. These kids had nowhere to go for an education. So the favorite, my favorite part in the mornings when we would sometimes accompany him on his morning roll <laughs> through the community, he would pass by the visually impaired girls' dormitory and they would all be lined up there waiting <laughs> to see him and say, good morning, Baba, in these really cute, sweet little voices. And then the, the smallest ones would take turns pushing him. <laughs> There's just a tiny little slow, and I could never, I'd look at them, I could never tell who, who had more fun, him, or the little girls kind of pushing him up that little slope just outside their dorms. So all of this about the power of intention, and sometimes we hear these kind of stories, and to be really, uh, really metaphor here <laughs> to ourselves, yeah, not to play down our own intentions, our own lives, our own aspirations, yeah to feel the beauty in them, to let our intentions be something that supports us as well as pulls us up. It's the earth and the sun, yeah? If we're each of us a little plant growing, yeah? It's not something to measure ourselves by and fail, yeah? It's a support, yeah? And something that helps us grow, that pulls us up and supports us from below. So, so helpful to remember intention. So helpful to remember intention. Where am I heading? What is it that I wish to do with this one wild and precious life? Another practice we can keep uh, bringing in is our practice as a listening, a deep listening. 
yeah, listening to our intention, um, but a listening to our experience. Yeah. What's happening here? Yeah. What's going on? What do I see? What do I recognize? What's the appropriate response? Yeah. And here too, you know, this is an ongoing journey. Keep listening. Keep exploring. It's always a way of listening. There's always a possibility of response, both with one ourselves and with another. That question, I'm giving you a lot of different kind of ideas here, and it's usually helpful to just take one or two. <laughs> and there is the recording. That question of where is the happiness? Yeah, this has been such a core cool question. Where is the happiness? Where is the well-being? Yeah. Again and again, remembering that possibility to shift the emphasis from the object to the way of relating. From out there to in here. Yeah. Yeah, where is the happiness? Can I connect to it? Can I enliven it? Can I find it in here? At times when um, we feel over, overwhelmed yeah, by things, remembering that possibility to relax contraction. So powerful yeah, to relax contraction. And the beauty of it is that we can do it in advance. <laughs> we might know something is coming yeah, that is going to be challenging. We can relax the contraction as we contemplate. We can relax the contraction in the moment, yeah, and in the moment, and in the moment. And we can relax the contraction in reflection afterwards. Yeah, infinite possibilities. <laughs> yeah, this is why this is a practice for life. Yeah. So we know something challenging is about to happen, we relax the contraction, we work with relaxing the body. We are in a situation where there's contraction, we relax that. Something happened, yeah, we might have regret, yeah. We go back with our memory and we bring that capacity to relax contraction, same with metta, yeah. Metta in advance, metta in the moment, <laughs> metta in retrospect. No escape. Yeah. You can always bring it in. We can relive, reinvigorate, bring in our insights of what brings happiness. You know, what brings happiness? What allows us to be in touch with well-being? Yeah. And we've touched on many of these, and for each of us there'll be more explorations. Yeah, a sense of connection, yeah. generosity, compassion, renunciation, simplicity, yeah. alignment with our ethics, alignment with our values, so important, something that's so underplayed in our culture. Yeah. How important it is for us as human beings to live in alignment with our values and our ethics. Yeah. Alignment with our aspirations. 
and expanding the circle of care, expanding our circle of care of who we include yeah, and what we include. Yeah, that welcoming practice, yeah, who we include and what we include in our circle of care. So what brings happiness and well-being? Yeah, asking ourselves, reminding ourselves, checking for ourselves, making sure that we have some of that in our days. And I want to read a, a little quote from, from Rob, uh, Rob Abea. This is from a very old talk from 2006. <laughs> and he's actually talking about spending time in Anandawan in the leprosy community. And so he says, I remember a couple of years ago working in India at a leprosy community. One of my jobs there was playing with the visually impaired and the hearing impaired children. There were two schools within the community. The kids didn't have leprosy, but they were either visually impaired or hearing impaired. And my job in the afternoon was to just play with them. We had nothing <laughs> except a little sponge ball. That was it, and we would make up games. It was lovely. It was absolutely, really a complete privilege. And still, when I reflect on that, and reflect on having part, been part of that, there's happiness there, there's joy there. And then he goes on to compare that experience to having a really nice chocolate cake and that having no impact whatsoever the next day. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I wanted to bring in this quote because this is another uh, way that we can understand this practice of lingering in happiness. Yeah. That having the sort of happiness, choosing the sort of happiness, cultivating the sort of happiness that lingers. Yeah. So not only we linger with the happiness, but the happiness lingers with us. It continues to nourish us and to sustain us. It continues to be um, accessible to us. Yeah. And so, you know, we can do that through our memory. Yeah. When our happiness is wholesome, yeah, we can reconnect, we can revisit, we can go back to it, and it can nourish us in the here and now. And so we can see this, you know, the way that we are rewiring the heart and mind, yeah, rewiring, creating neur neural pathways, yeah, that um, our pathways of metta, our pathways of gratitude, our pathways of expansiveness, our pathways of joy that is not self-referential. Yeah. And that is uh, so much. So this quote from Rob, a real uh, reminder of this practice of remembering and bringing to mind. And I don't know if you remember this, but Nathan said this also in the opening talk, sati, the word in Pali translated as mindfulness. Yeah. Calling to mind. Yeah. Remembering, coming from the root of remembering. Yeah. So what do we remember? What do, what do we bring to mind? Yeah. We make use of um, our minds. Yeah. 
Our minds fabricate experience, they shape experience, they construct experience. They're really powerful tools, really powerful tools. And so we can bring to mind joy, even when it is not immediately present. And then ah, it becomes present. We bring to mind beauty. We bring to mind uh, subtlety sensitivity, insight, and we bring them alive. This is so amazing, (laughs) such a powerful thing that we have, this heart-mind. We bring things alive, we bring insights alive. And so we we do this with sensitivity, with care, and skillfully, this exploration. Because we also all know the kind of remembering that kind of separates us. Oh, that, you know, that memory, that experience. Yeah. Or that moment, I want to be there again. I want to be that again. And there's a sense of separation there. Yeah. And here we're talking about a remembrance that, in, that, that invites, that welcomes. Yeah. That brings in um, a non-separation, a sense of possibility. So the body and the awareness in the body really help with this. And again, the relaxing of contraction. Probably getting a sense of what my favorite practices are (laughs) as we're doing this. Having a sense of that body and awareness in the body. Having a sense of the beauty and the nobility of our intentions for our practice. So conditions will change. They've already been changing <laughs> through the retreat. Yeah. Whatever our experience is right now, it may feel like this is what it's been like the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But when we reflect, again, the power of our memory, we know conditions have already been changing, experiences have already been changing. And so as conditions change, uh, there may be a fear of losing something. And there may be a sense at some point, oh, I've lost it, whatever that it is. Remembering that it is still there. You can't lose it. <laughs> you can't. Yeah? It's there. Yeah? Just need to find the connection, the thread, the way back. Yeah? It's still there even when we're not aware that it's there. Percolating spreading through our being and via our being spreading out into the world yeah all the goodness yeah all the well-being everything that's been in value of values keeps percolating in the system and through us spreading out into the world And sometimes it can be helpful to look for reminders, yeah, just like with those memories, to look for reminders to reignite, to reconnect us to that happiness, to that well-being. So we have to read the poem. <laughs> That's the inspiration for this, the title of this retreat, and it really speaks to what I've just said. I'm going to read it and unpack it a little bit. And it's called Lingering in Happiness by Mary Oliver from a book titled Why I Wake Early 
I think the title is wonderful. After rain, after many days without rain, it stays cool, private and cleansed under the trees. And the dampness there, married now to gravity, falls branch to branch, leaf to leaf, down to the ground, where it will disappear, but not, of course, vanish, except to our eyes. The roots of the oaks will have their share, and the white threads of the grasses, and the cushion of moss. A few drops, round as pearls, will enter the mole's tunnel. And soon, so many small stones, buried for a thousand years, will feel themselves being touched. So conditions will change. And it may feel sometimes that we have lost it, whatever that is. Remembering, just like in the poem, that it is still there. Vanished, but only in our eyes in that moment. In that moment we don't see it. But it's there, percolating, spreading through our being. Touching all those stones that have not been touched for a thousand years. And then via this being, it keeps spreading into the world, keeps sharing with the oak and the grasses and the cushion of moss. Sharing this goodness. Yeah. So I'm just going to read the second half of the poem, which is what I really love. <laughs> yeah. So we have this rain after many days without rain, and it falls down down to the ground where it will disappear, but not, of course, vanish. Disappears, not vanish, except to our eyes. The roots of the oaks will have their share, and the white threads of the grasses, and the cushion of moss. A few drops, round as pearls, will enter the mole's tunnel. And soon, so many small stones, buried for a thousand years, will feel themselves being touched. So right here in your being, right now, there's a treasure trove. Yeah. There's so much preciousness of insight. Yeah of beauty, of goodness in in each of us. And that will stay with us. You might want to put it in a pocket (laughs) where you can easily reach it and remember to take it out every once in a while to look at it, to share it, to enjoy it. Baba Amte I spoke of, he used to say, happiness dies when it's not shared. And I find that so powerful. Well-being, goodness, it needs to be shared in order to continue living. When it's shared, it's reborn again and again in different forms. 
So when we remember, yeah, the preciousness that we have, that we carry, each of us, and when we share it, our insights, yeah, our understanding, that itself is sparked alive. And we reconnect our heart and mind to what we love, to what we long for, to what we honor. Lingering in happiness can seem like an internal thing, something that we do in here, happening in this body, heart and mind. About my experience, for my well-being, for my resource, for my growth. And it's really helpful to just keep posing that question, is it? (laughs) Is it? Is it? Can we actually find or draw the boundaries between self yeah, and everything else? Can we find and draw the boundaries between um, anything? Yeah? Or can we look and see yeah, that which connects us? So there's also the possibility to linger with happiness. Um, with the world, yeah, to appreciate the beauty, yeah, to appreciate the goodness that is there, to open to that which is awake, yeah, to that which is compassionate, to that which is caring. Yeah. So we linger in happiness with the world and also for the world, for the world, so that we are deeply nourished, so that we can act from that care. So that we can act from that care for the welfare of other beings and for the earth. So it can be so helpful to look for reminders that remind us of this. And when I kind of put the first Mary Oliver poem there, I couldn't resist having another one. (laughs) Which is actually why I wake early, which is the title poem from that collection and here's one of her reminders (coughs) for happiness so why I wake early hello sun in my face hello you who made the morning and spread it over the fields and into the faces of the tulips and the nodding morning glories and into the windows of even the miserable and the crotchety. Best preacher that ever was, dear star that just happens, to be where you are in the universe, to keep us from ever darkness, to ease us with warm touching, to hold us in the great hands of light. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Watch now how I start the day in happiness, in kindness. Watch now how I start the day in happiness, in kindness. So finding our reminders so that we can start the day in happiness, in kindness. 
well-being is a resource for us yeah, when we tune into it, when we find the ways to touch it, to be touched by it. When we, we can tune into it as a support, yeah, support for letting go, yeah, support for living wisely, support for living compassionately on the earth. So well-being is a resource. It's like fuel, it's like food, it's nourishment that supports us. Supports us in nurturing kindness, nurturing beauty, nurturing goodness and joy. So I think I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago we were leading a tree planting tree care retreat, some of it was planting, some of it was uh, tending to young trees in a tree nursery and kind of taking them out of the baby bed <laughs> and bundling them up uh, ready to go out to be planted but then putting them back in bundles back in the soil uh, so that they stay in the soil until the day they go out. And there was something so beautiful about that tending to these really incredibly beautiful, fragile and, in, you know, just astounding beings, yeah, and kind of tiny little oak tree. <laughs> and we know what that's going to be. And right now it's this tiny, fragile thing with the most beautiful roots that we don't tend to see. So having that sense of care, you know, like, taking a little tree out of the earth, yeah? uprooting it so that it can be rooted yeah? in a better place for longer. Having that sense of care, yeah? just like we imagine that would be <laughs> all the delicacy and the fragility of the roots. Having that care for ourselves, having that care for each other. Yeah? Having that care for the world it needs us, it needs each of us. And kind of when I was reflecting on that, so the imagery continued, what if we each see, if we see ourselves, each of us like a nursery <laughs> or a greenhouse, yeah? where we're growing yeah, the seedlings, when we're growing the baby oaks of generosity and of compassion where we're growing the alders and the hawthorns and the rowans. <laughs> all the diversity, all the beauty of all the good qualities in the world. Yeah? Everything that is needed in our world. So each of us a nursery or a greenhouse where freedom is tended, where wakefulness is tended, where simple kindness yeah, and nourishing well-being tended. So where is the happiness? Yeah. Where is the happiness? The Dalai Lama says, if you want others to be happy, be compassionate. And if you want to be happy, be compassionate. Yeah. And so we know where the happiness is. 
it's in here, uh, but it needs that movement and that interaction with the world, that connection with the world. So sharing our happiness, sharing our well-being, sharing our good fortune in whatever way it shows itself for each of us and creating more well-being as we do so for ourselves and for all beings. I think that's uh, where we'll end for tonight. Just have a little bit of silence together. Right now in this moment, an opportunity to meet the experience. To feel the body, heart and mind. And to attend. In whatever way feels most appropriate to the cultivation of well-being. Relaxing contraction, seeing this too as unsatisfactory, bringing metta, appreciation, gratitude, rejoicing, welcoming, or breathing, breathing. Always a way of relating, always a possibility of response to this moment of experience as it unfolds. May our practice together continue to nourish each of us and all of us. May our practice be a support for the freedom and the well-being of all beings everywhere. May it be so. So thank you for your listening and for your practice and your presence. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.